Drink This Beer is brought to you by The Beer Guys. BeerGuysRadio.com is where you need to go to get the scoop on what's going on in craft beer. That's BeerGuysRadio.com. And if you like the show, consider becoming one of our sponsors. Head to Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. That's Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Welcome to the latest edition of Drink This Beer, craft beer podcast, where we talk to the brewers from around the country and around the world about the beer that you love and the stories behind it. That's right. We're headed to the West Coast today. We're actually talking to Kevin Martin. He is the head blender at Portland, Oregon's Cascade Brewing. And uh, Kevin, thanks so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Kevin, we're, uh, so we're here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we've uh, just got your beers recently. I guess a little over a year ago we yeah. got them in, so we're really happy. I used to have to uh, have my friends mule them back for me on trip. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a pretty common story that, that we hear. Hopefully we're starting to remedy that a little bit. Yeah, we have. Uh, I actually have a friend here, actually the newest member of the Beer Guys team, Brian Hewitt. He's in the studio with us here, and uh, Brian is actually from the Portland area. I am. And the only one of us that has actually visited the Barrel House so far. So he's, oh, okay. So we use him. He's he he mules back for us or used to. So yes, but we, anyhow, we just I use him for, it the, over for the there beer. occasionally. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, thanks for getting us over there, Brian. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Well, Kevin, would you tell us a little bit, kind of your your craft beer journey? I know you have an interesting background, kind of. What got you into craft beer, and how'd you end up there at uh, Cascade? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, my my own story uh, starts. Um, probably 2003, I became a home brewer, uh, initially as many, um, brewers do. Uh, and then, uh, in 2007, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I was, I was living there, home brewing. Uh, 2007, I moved to Portland. Um, just, you know, I had, uh, a brother who lived here and some friends and just recommended it, uh, as a great place to live. Uh, and shortly thereafter, I actually found a job at a winery, uh, which, you know, many people know that. Um, Oregon has a very thriving uh, wine scene oh, yes. uh, in the Willamette Valley. Uh, so I, I found work uh, as a cellar rat in a winery um, just outside of Portland and uh, really enjoyed the work. Uh, so wound up pursuing, um, you know, wine jobs, uh, both northern and southern hemisphere, kind of chasing the harvest um, all around the world, and then um, wound up settling in the Willamette Valley for a few years, uh, but I was always still interested in beer and kind of wanted to return to that. So I, I enrolled in the American Brewers Guild uh, Brewing Science Program, um, got some beer knowledge there, uh, and then shortly thereafter uh, met Ron Gansberg, the brewmaster at Cascade, um, and uh, they had already began and started to develop their sour program uh, and uh, were looking for somebody with um, experience working with barrels, with fruit fermentation, uh, blending the, the aspects that make, you know, Cascade and, and many sour breweries unique, um, which is a skill set that I had gained in winemaking. So uh, 2012, I came on to Cascade, um, not as a brewer. You know, I always tell people I'm not a brewer. I've never been a brewer. Uh, always been a, a winemaker slash sour beer blender. But, uh, yeah, after uh, – so – 2012, working at Cascade, and uh, it's been it's been a wonderful time. So I started as a fellerman, uh, eventually became uh, you know just over the years as we've grown and we've brought on uh, new staff. I've kind of uh, been able to, 
to develop into the, the head blender eventually, which is really our own terminology for what is essentially production management of our of our blending facility. Now, awesome. now, now Kevin, I have to say that uh, Tim is right here. He's got his hand on so the cork of the I'm cage. Gonna, I'm going to mention what we're going to do and ask okay. you a question. So, Kevin, as I open up a bottle of your uh, strawberry Northwest Sour Ale here, this, I have the 2015 project in my hand, courtesy of Brian Hewitt. Okay. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Cascade? For someone who maybe is, isn't familiar with Cascade, kind of what you guys are about and what you offer there. Sure, absolutely. Um, so uh, Cascade Brewing is, is most well-known uh, for its what we call our Northwest Sour Ale. Um, we do all barrel-aged. Well, uh, the, what you'll see on the shelf uh, is all of our sour beers. Um which is uh, basically all, everything is barrel-aged. Uh, we don't do any ca- kettle souring. Everything is long-term barrel-aged. Uh, and we work all with, with uh, whole, fresh uh, ingredients. Um, we, you know, we work with whole cherries, whole grapes, whole apricots, uh, peaches, whatever you know, ingredient you see on our label. Is, uh, you know, we're working with it. We don't, we don't work with purees or concentrates or anything like that. Um, so we, we really try to make uh, a beer that is a uh, sensory explosion. You know, we want high, crisp carbonation. We want bright acidity uh, that's also balanced by, you know, a nice malt presence, uh, usually an oak element, a fruit element. Um, and, and really just we're looking to develop lots of complexity and unique flavors in our beer that really kind of, bends the boundaries of what people think of as beer. Um, and so we work really hard to do that. Um, and, you know, here at Cascade, we try to really maintain a culture of creativity, innovation, um, and, and, you know, and really just make it a, a good place to work as well. I'll admit, I got a little tingle when I took a first drink of that one right now. A little tingle? It was, it was in delicious. A, in a good way. In there. a good way, the exactly. Good tingle. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm a recent convert to sour beers. I've only been drinking them for about a year, year and a half. But my co-host, Tim, is a big sour guy. So so I, I blame him for giving me the entry into this uh, into this realm. I have a fun story oh, about sure. Cascade coming to Georgia, Uh-oh, actually. Oh, okay. So uh, do we have a big beer festival here called the Decatur Craft Beer Fest. And uh, Cascade was scheduled to come into market like a week or two after the craft beer fest, I think two years ago. And uh, we're at the beer fest, and all of a sudden they start pulling out boxes of Cascade. And the people pouring the beer, Kevin, are like, what's this? You know, I haven't heard of this. And, you know, the volunteers there at the fest. And uh, But Brian and I were at the festival, and we knew what it was. So we hold up there at the table, and all these other places have lines, and no one's anywhere around for Cascade. So I don't remember which ones they were pouring there, but I said uh, – I'm like, can I have a whole bottle? And they said, you, two ounces at a time. So we just stood there for a while getting refills. <laughs> so. I think it was Sang Noir. I think it was. Sure, I think they had Sang Noir and, like and blueberry. blueberry, right? Yeah. yeah. So oh, until, sure. until word spread around the festival that you guys were pouring there, we probably drank a good half bottle each of the beers. So. At least. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. Pays to be in the know. That's right. Got to be there. Absolutely. So um, Portland. Portland and sour beer. So. Uh, I think Georgia is just getting – we were just talking that uh, Atlanta had a wild beer fest this weekend, and it's good to see more of those from Georgia breweries. But I, I know a lot of places in Georgia especially, people are just starting to take on to sour beers, the wild beers and that. You know, We're really just mm-hmm. starting to kind of come into that, and uh, a lot of other places as well. But I know Portland was kind of the forefront of that. So uh, have they always been well-received out there? How long has the – the sour and wild beer movement been going on in the Portland area? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think the evolution of a craft beer uh, city or culture is, 
is is a similar story in a lot of different cities, but uh, you know every region is on its own kind of timeline. Um, but you know, in in Portland, um, Cascade started uh, producing sour beers and offering them um, as far back as about 2006, uh, 2007, um, and it was very uh, new, very innovative for for uh, the American brewing scene. I think right around that time is when. Uh, other breweries like uh, Russian River or some of the other uh, well-known um, sour producers in the United States began to, to bring out their sour beers as well. Um, certainly, Portland has always been kind of uh, at the forefront of the craft beer movement, along with a few other uh, great craft beer cities. Um, and, you know, I, it, we question, uh, we have questioned many times, if Cascade were launched in another city at the same time, would it have survived or would it have um, had an audience? And and it, it's hard to imagine that it would have been as well-received as it was in Portland, um, just about anywhere else. So, I mean, Portland is a place, uh, I mean, it's not just beer, it's, you know, food, culture, uh, innovation, and, and, you know, music and wine and coffee and you know craft beer is just another one it's just it portland is a place of um you know very kind of forward uh it, the culture there just wants to embrace new things um and just has an appetite for for new interesting flavors um and so i think that that really led to to cascade's success here and then as we've seen interest grow uh in say california and, and washington and you know, Colorado, and, you know, it's just been a sweep uh, across the country um, for sour beer at large. Um, and we've been very, very fortunate to um, already be a sour producer as more and more uh, palates become, uh, you know, wanting a sour beer across the, the country. Yeah, now you're saying so many nice things about Portland. I grew up in Seattle, so I may have to throw down with you a little bit later on. Oh, no. So I was going to say, stop it! You're making me homesick. Yeah, <laughs> turf wars here. So. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, those Seattleites, you know, there's there's a, there's always a very uh, kindred com- uh, competition, I would say there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's just kind of a yeah friendly friendly rivalry, except uh, during the UW and, and Oregon game. But uh, that's you know we'll that's right. That. Exactly. Not so friendly then. Not right? so friendly. So, then. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so Kevin, we know that uh, with brewing of sour beers, I know that every brewery. Every brewer has their own process, and I know you've already said that uh, you come in on the blending side of things. So, Correct. Um, once it comes to you, uh, kind of what is your process there? What do you have to look at? What's your approach to blending? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, you know, just to take it a step back from there, I mean, it, it starts, of course, at our brewery, and we have a, a, a brewing facility that's about a couple miles away from our blending facility. You know, it's kind of separation of um, clean and and sour sides, uh, so we don't cross-contaminate. Um, uh, and, you know, I like to use the analogy of, of winemaking where, um, you know, you can be a tremendous winemaker, but if you don't start with good grapes, uh, you're never going to make good wine. And, um, you know, our brewers do a, a tremendous job of making, you know, just world-class beer that makes the blending side uh, it makes us look really good because, you know, we, we get to start with a product that's just killer. Um, but they, so we ship it, uh, in our oak barrels, uh, from one facility to the next. Uh, they go undergo a yeast fermentation at the brewery, fill the barrels, and then send it to our sour facility. Um, that's, that's where we pick up, um, what we're looking for 
is, uh, you know, a, a beer that we uh, can inoculate that's going to have um, a profile of, uh, that's going to support balance, that's going to maintain some enough, you know, residual uh, sugars, complex sugars um, that'll be balanced out by the acidity uh, during the souring process. Uh, we're, we're looking at barrel selection, you know, what, what base beers marry well with the right barrels, you know, a red ale for a red wine barrel or, you know, a squad for a bourbon barrel, you know, what, how do we want to express the beer? And, you know, we're always looking at things on a, on a time continuum. You know, if we brew a beer today, we're actually planning for, say, Q3 of 2018. So we have to ask ourselves, that's, you know, say July, August 2018. Well, what fruits do we want to work with? Do we want to contract with? And how much do we want to make in, in you know, for 20, Q3, Q4 of 2018? So that's, that's how we have to look at things. So I know what, what we're going to blend in, like, January 2019, but I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. So it's kind <laughs> okay, of funny. Gotcha. Long, long-term <laughs> planning. Cool. We're talking, yeah. with, we're talking with Kevin Martin. He's the head blender at Oregon's Cascade Brewing. We're going to take a quick break on Drink This Beer, and we'll be back right after this. More Drink This Beer with Tim and Aaron coming up after this. Here at Drink This Beer, we love to bring you the stories behind the craft beer and brewers that you love. And we'd be grateful if you took the time out to check out our Patreon site, it's at patreon.com slash beer guys. If you choose to become one of our donors, we would really appreciate it. Plus, you get some awesome swag, including t-shirts, glasses, stickers, and some more stuff that's coming down the pike. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer, part of the Beer Guys Radio Network. Tell a friend and head to patreon.com slash beer guys. Cheers. Welcome back to Drink This Beer with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. Welcome back to the Drink This Beer Craft Beer Podcast. On this episode, we're talking to Cascade Brewing's Kevin Martin. Kevin's the head blender for Cascade Brewing in uh, Portland, Oregon. So thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely. So now, are all of your sour beers barrel-aged so far? They are, yeah. Everything uh, that we sour is in barrel. You know, we we like to employ the... You know the traditional uh, method. You know, it's like say the Flanders region, where we really just about all of our beers see a minimum residency time of about ten months in a barrel, um, all the way up to you know over two years, uh, depending on the beer. But uh, yeah, we we believe that um, long term aging is really is for for us uh, the real answer to to making the most you know complex and interesting product we can. Yeah, and it's interesting. We talked earlier before the break about uh, barrels and barrel aging. You know, talking to a lot of folks who are doing sour programs, uh, we talked to uh, Alex from the Rare Barrel a few months ago. Uh, you know, it's almost interesting because no barrel acts the same. And so you kind of have to really work with the barrel to make sure that it's uh, it's doing what you want it to do. And, and time frame, you know, we were just talking about planning about, uh, you know, what you're going to do ahead in the game. Sometimes you just can't plan for what, uh, what that barrel is going to do or how it's going to age. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think anybody who's been making sour beer long enough begins to it has been humbled by it many, many times when you when you start to think that you've got your planning under control. But you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, a single say say we do a thirty barrel batch of Blondale uh, at our brewery, uh, that's going to break into you know say fifteen oak barrels. Um, it all goes into the barrels, the same beer, and it comes out you know a year later, fifteen different beers. And, um, you know, we, as blenders, you know, we're kind of looking at those, uh, as averages. You know, we kind of have to say, well, the, the, our blonde expresses itself in, in, in infinitely different 
number of ways, but we kind of have to target, okay, what is the average of all of these flavors? Uh, and the, the great thing about blending is that um, it's a very creative process. There's a lot of artistry to it, a lot of philosophy. Um, you know, you're not trying to hit spec, uh, or at least we at Cascade are not trying to hit spec exactly. We're trying to see what flavors we get and then work with them, you know, to, to blend them in the best way possible. That's uh, that's something, you know, I've tried several of your beers, and they change quite a bit. We just opened a 2013 project here, Kevin, of Sang Rouge. So, mm-hmm. and boy, this thing's complex, very wine-like. I was going to say, get I get a lot, lot of, of port to this one almost. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about this beer? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, Sang Rouge is, is easily one of my favorites. Um, and, and a rare bottle, by the way. Kudos to you guys for, for holding on to that one. Thanks, and, you Brian. Know, open it to- yeah, we <laughs> appreciate it, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Sang Rouge, the, the, so the, we have a Sang series, Sang Rouge, Sang Royale, uh, Sang Noir, and our most recent one, Sang Duchenne. And they're all different, um, you know, uh, kind of create a, this, this series. Um, the first two that I mentioned are all a red ale base, um, Sang referencing blood, uh, so it's this red, you know, color. Uh, but the Sang Royale, or excuse me, the Sang Rouge that you're drinking is really our red ale in its kind of purest form. There's no fruit, there's no spice. It's, it is purely our beer and wood. Um, and as you mentioned, the port note, uh, what we try to capture with the Sang Rouge is a really unique array of barrels so that, um, you know, you're getting this interplay of wood and beer. So we, we use in that Sang Rouge uh, some fooder-aged beer, uh, and then we also use uh, port barrel, um, you know, used port barrels. Uh, we've used, used uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels and... Pinot Noir barrel. So we get, you know, multiple layers of flavor just from the, the barrels themselves and then from, from the base beer. And it's one of our longest aging. We also, uh, I'll, I'll hold this closer to the chest, but we do some amount of uh, long-term aging uh, in an attempt to kind of create a sherry-like element to that blend as well. But that's about as far into that as I'll get. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll keep that secret right, with there. There you. you go. No, but it's interesting yeah. because, you know, you said you come from a wine background. And almost when you're dealing with sour beers and barrel aging, it is almost wine-like where you're talking about vintages as opposed to clean beers where you want that consistency month to month and year to year. This one you're looking for more, again, of different vintages and, and how that plays together uh, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. We What we want to bring into the beer world is um, – this understanding, in particular with sour beers, it works well, and use it working with fresh fruit, is this notion that um, we aren't making the exact same beer year after year. Um, with our fruited beers, if it's, say, our strawberry or our creek um, or our apricot, because we're buying fresh fruit year after year, it's no different than like a wine harvest where you, know, you have a cool year, uh, you're getting fruits with maybe higher acidity, lower sugar levels, you get a hot year, the, the opposite is true. Uh, and we aren't doing anything to that fruit in order to get it exactly to the sugar level we want or the acid level. We, we're saying, okay, 2015 is a really hot year, so these beers are going to express themselves in this way. 2011 you know, was a cool year, so they're going to express this way. And then that way, you know, we want people to understand that if you've had our apricot 2013, um, you haven't had the same beer as apricot 2014 or 15. Um, so in, in, in that sense, um, we're trying to show that our beer is as much of an agricultural project as it is uh, just a, a, a beer. 
Along um, those lines, but, Kevin, do you do you try to get it close each time, or do you give it, or do you say this is our strawberry and this is what the expression is going to be this vintage? Uh, you know, our process there it, it's evolved over the years. Um, we we do not so whenever we're going to start working on a uh, the next blend. So say um, you know we recently just um, blended uh, a new batch of our Tangerine Dream. Um, uh, maybe not a great uh, Manhattan, say for example. That's okay. one that we did. That's cherries and bourbon barrels um, uh, on a quad and Blondale. And uh, this is this most recent year. I think was the fourth year that we've bottled that. So we pulled out. Um, we keep libraries, bottle libraries here at our at our facility. We pulled out uh, one bottle of each year that we've bottled it, and we we run a sensory evaluation. We take our entire brewing and blending staff. Um, we put them in a room with a you know sheet of paper to kind of evaluate you know rate rate the acidity rate the oak level rate the alcohol level of the fruit etc uh, and and we try to say to our you know ask ourselves what were the best qualities about you know what, these beers what what might we target better do we do we like more bourbon presence or less bourbon presence do we like you know um, more acidity less acidity. Uh, those are aspects that we can change and we can manipulate and work with. Um, fruit itself, fruit, you get what you get, um, and that's that's weather dependent. And that's uh, kind of uh, so you know. In, in this way, we have both proactive and reactive measures that we can take. Uh, proactive is barrel selection, strength of beer, uh, malt bill, um, aging time. Uh, reactive is what did the Bugs and bacteria do over the souring period, or reactive might be how's the fruit going to come in this year, how ripe, or on what date. So, or how, you know, how many pounds per gallon is going to be effective with this year's crop. So we're always constantly trying to um, manipulate the things that are we can be proactive in, uh, and then use our best judgment for those reactive things. Kevin, you mentioned the the temperature and the beers being different if it's a hot year versus a cold year or whatever. Do you mm-hmm. do you temperature control your barrel house there? Or you just let uh, Portland's Mother Nature take care of things. <laughs> well, we uh, we are at, fortunately at a point now where we are um, very much temperature and humidity controlled. Um, we like to run our cellar right around sixty sixty two degrees. Um, we find that that's when we're working with wild. You know, well. Uh, we have our own sour culture, but then we also allow the, the wild yeast and bacteria that come in on the fruit or in on the barrels to leave it to their own uh, metabolism to, to take hold in those, in those beers. So we aren't 100% in control of those cultures. So, I mean, we are trying to thread this needle of uh, too cold and uh, your beer doesn't sour fast enough. You know, it, it, it slows down the aging process too hot and you run the risk of the wrong bacteria turning your beer into vinegar. Um, so we're, we found for our beer um, that 60 to 62 range to really work most effectively. So, so kind of playing off that, of course, your beers are all bottle conditioned and most sour and wild beers are pretty well suited for cellaring. Uh, do you have any recommendations for anyone if they're trying to keep you know, a vertical or, or trying to keep your, your beers for a few years? Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, our bottles, even though they're cork, I think, you know, Traditional uh, approach to cork is to lay it down. Uh, our bottles don't have to be laid down. They can be stored upright. Um, okay. they, we have had no issues with cork drying out or anything like that. And uh, So I would recommend storing them upright. Uh, cool, dark place. I would not recommend you know, refrigerator temperature um, because if you want, there are benefits to aging. Our beer ages very well, and I think our acids 
if it's at a cellar temperature, there's chemical processes, molecular processes uh, that can occur that will encourage some aging, softening of acidity, um, softening of tannin. Um, you know, you might have some flavor compounds, some esters join with other things and create new new flavors. If your beer is too cold, you're not going to benefit from some of you know the whole purpose of aging. So I wouldn't re- do refrigeration storage, um, but at the same time. Uh, if you store too warm, I would say above about 65 degrees for long periods of time, you run the risk of the beer prematurely oxidizing. Um, and so I, I recommend like a nice cool spot. So if you're going to start, if you don't have a, you know, a wine cellar at home, I'd find, you know, your, a cool area in your house, a basement or garage are usually really good um, if, if it's in the well insulated. Um, or a closet that doesn't really shift in temperature too much. You just want to find a, a temperature-stable place, uh, keep it in the dark, keep it cool, keep it upright, and, and you'll you'll be fine. Yeah. See, um, see, it might be a little bit easier for you in Portland, but, of course, we're here based out of Atlanta. I was going to say, special <laughs> note to our friends in the south, do yes. not put them in your garage. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're already 90 degrees here this year, so, yeah, yeah. it's something. So I've been threatened with uh, physical harm to my beer cellar if I don't ask you about bourbonic plague. So, oh, sure. Okay. So we're going to have uh, – that. that's uh, one of my favorites, great beer. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that project, and uh, will we see it again soon? Yeah, well, Bourbonic Plague has absolutely become uh, one of our most followed uh, beers, one of the you know, beers that people are most enthusiastic about. And, you know, it was um, a gold medal winner for us. Uh, one, I think it was the gold, JBF uh, one year, um, which got brought it a lot of attention. Um, that's a, it's a sour, um, spiced imperial porter uh, that we age in bourbon barrels, uh, where the name, you know, Bourbonic Plague comes from. Um and that beer is typically aged uh, about 16 to 24 months. And we have a whole host of uh, ingredients that we add to that. Um, dates, vanilla, cinnamon, uh, there's orange peel in that. We, you know, have worked with a little bit of uh, star anise on that. So, I mean, there's lots of flavors. And then there's uh, a few other spices in the brewing bill as well that make that beer really rich, complex, and uh, it's just a really, um, it's a fascinating project for us. When you, when you bring that many ingredients in, um, finding those right ratios makes the blending process all the more challenging. Um, and it, 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 it allows a lot more, that's, that's a lot of spices in your cabinets to play with. Right. And uh, it yeah. gives us a lot of ability to be creative and, and make our own you know, choices in what we want to see with that beer. Uh, that said, it's it's a very um, you know you'd ask if you're going to see it again soon. Um, we have some of it in our cellar um, that we are we have a little bit in barrel. Um, nothing. We don't have any major bottle releases of that scheduled in the near future. We we did do um, a small draft run of it this spring, and we're going to do a small draft run of it in the fall again. Um, and that those we are sending out to our distribution markets, um, you know, we're trying to, we only can make so much. Um, and because it takes up to two years to make, <laughs> you know, right. uh, yeah. we all have to be patient, including, you know, us on, on, on the blending and brewing side. But um, uh, we are going to be sending that out uh, into the, the markets. You know, I think we just 
sense somehow. I, I, I can't say whether it made it your guys' way or not, but if it didn't this round, it will likely in the fall. Okay. Um, Take care of that yeah. for us. We've got a couple good suggestions of places to send it. So yes. we'll, okay. we'll make sure to go My there. house. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, exactly. So, Kevin, question for you. So we uh, – you probably don't know all the drama here or anything, but we just got Shelton Brothers beers back in the state of Georgia like a month ago. And uh, oh, great. the distributor that we work with is fantastic people. They work with that. But we're also uh, getting the Shelton Brothers the festival this year, coming to Atlanta in August. So uh, okay. will Cascade be taking part in that? you going to come visit us in Atlanta? Uh, you know, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I am not always 100% up to speed on, on, our, on our event schedule. Right. Uh, I would have. I would honestly have to look into that. That's usually uh, 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 operations under our um, sales and marketing team. So you'll find out uh, when I, they tell you if you're yeah. headed to Atlanta. You've for got a ticket it, right? to Atlanta. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. That's it. All right. Well, I certainly would look forward to uh, an opportunity to travel out that way. So I'll see if I can push the agenda with Very the, cool. the intention of cherry picking that one. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Kevin Martin, head blender for Cascade Brewing. Over in Portland, Oregon. Thanks so much for joining us on Drink This Beer. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's been my pleasure. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Check us out at BeerGuysRadio.com for more craft beer info and talk. And, of course, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Cheers, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. More beer stories? Head to BeerGuysRadio.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show, available every Saturday morning. Drink this beer, produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams, part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network, BeerGuysRadio.com. The Beer Guys Radio Show on the Beer Guys Radio Network. BeerGuysRadio.com.